You know, growing up, I hated running. I hated running. I wouldn't play a sport unless it involved the ball. Because I saw no point in running and chasing something that wasn't there, right? And to me, running was too much like that dirty four-letter word called work. It was pain. It hurt too much. I dreaded it. And I'm telling you all that because, you know, I was reflecting on stewardship a little bit. And, uh, and, and running kind of reminded me about this. I'm going to tell you a little story here. I went off into the military. And so you can imagine if I hate running, what the military was about to do to me. And so I got there, and I get involved in these long 10-mile hikes and, you know, three-mile beach runs and obstacle courses and all that. And I'm like, oh, this, this hurts, you know. I'm whining and crying. And, and one of my instructors one day told me, he goes, you know what? This is about stewardship of your health. This is all conditioning. This is to make you better. And, oh, by the way, one day you're going you're gonna to find great joy in it. That was the biggest load of baloney I'd ever heard in my life <laughs> until it actually happened. One day I'm breezing through this obstacle course that, that was killing me for months on end and it didn't hurt anymore. And I'm running and I'm hopping over things and I'm climbing over things and my lungs aren't burning and I'm not dreading it anymore. I'm like, oh my gosh, she was actually right. <laughs> now I don't run anymore to be honest with you, mainly because I just don't have time. My knees kill me and everything else. But I learned to embrace the joy of running in that point in time. You know, all those years I thought my instructors were taking great delight in punishing me. <laughs> they were actually taking great delight in watching me succeed and be the best that I could be. Or for anybody, for that matter, that they were teaching. And so this concept of joy, of an attitude, reminds me of stewardship. Because that's what it is. Joy is an attitude, right? It's an emotion that we obtain. We know that God loves a, a cheerful giver. But we also know that stewardship isn't just about pulling out the wallet and giving our money either. Now, last week, we kicked off with this theme of Advent about stewardship. And this week, we're going to look at one of the attitudes of stewardship, joy. We talked about stewardship isn't about money because money is what? It's just a, a part of it. It's a resource that we use, that we have uh, to, to utilize towards um, the care for creation, the care of people. And just like resources are part of stewardship, so are our attitudes. So what, what exactly is joy? How do you describe joy? I mean, to me, describing joy is kind of like describing water. <laughs> how, do you, how do you describe the water taste? You can't, but you know it tastes good, right? And that's kind of the same thing with joy. You, you might have some descriptors like joy's happiness, right? Or salation. But, but what is it? It's nothing more than an emotion, right? The emotion of anticipating something to come. The expectation of what something's about to bring. That's what joy is. And when stewardship is done properly, joy is an emotion that, honestly, you can't help but overflow out of you. So just as God is the epitome of, of stewardship and shows us what stewardship looks like, so is God the epitome of joy and shows us what, what joy, true joy, looks like. And so for us today, the joy that God has for us, that joy that God has for us, is a joy that we're journeying towards, that culminates on Christmas Day, on the 25th, the day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Christ Jesus. But long ago, in the days of the Old Testament prophets, the day of the Lord was envisioned something different. It wasn't envisioned as a day of joy. It was envisioned of a day of terror, 
as the prophets spoke of the judgment of the Lord. He talked about there being great darkness and, and earthquakes and things crumbling down around him and great destruction and a great and inescapable judgment. And even Zephaniah declared that the Lord will sweep away everything from the face of the earth. Not a pretty picture when you go back and you look at what the Old Testament prophets were preaching on. But it was a message that the Old Testament prophets were charged with proclaiming. And we should know today what the Lord's judgment is by now. There's consequence for sin. Great consequence. There's a difference between the consequences that we face here on the earth and the consequences that we face before the Lord. Great consequences. We saw, and as we read the Old Testament, the fall of Jerusalem, the captivity of, of Israel at the hands of the Babylonians and a 400-year period of silence where God just seemingly disappeared. But we also see God exclaiming amidst it all, joy. Not joy, mind you, at the, at the ruin of Israel, but joy at providing a solution to his creation to escape his wrath, to get away from his anger. We're told of that joy in Isaiah. And now Zephaniah alludes to it. Just as soon as Zephaniah declared all this destruction, he, he does a reversal. He does the unthinkable. And he declares this. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He's cleared away your enemies. You ever had somebody that you thought was just going to rain down holy you-know-what on you? <laughs> you thought you were in the darkest hour and then you were exonerated? It was wiped away? You were shown forgiveness? This is what Zephaniah is proclaiming. Exult! Rejoice! This is God's joy. He's provided for you. Oh, but, you know, <laughs> Jerusalem's still going to fall. God's still going to go silent for 400 years. There's still a consequence. So what exactly is this joy that God has as he shows stewardship for his creation? It's just the joy that he's not going to wipe everybody out. It's the joy that he's saying, I'm not going to send you to hell. That's not my desire for you. My desire is what? My joy is what? My joy is restoration of a relationship. Between me and you. Not me and you. That's part of it, right? But between God and us. Yes, the people should be filled with joy over this announcement. But the people aren't the only ones who rejoice and are joyous. For Zephaniah tells us that the Lord participates in this joy. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love and he will exult over you with loud singing. You know, we've had this image of God as a judge. We have this image of God as a king and a warrior who will come in mightily and save. We have this image of God that Zephaniah gives us at the end of the reading as a shepherd who cares for his people. He says this, and at that time, I will gather you together. In other words, I will shepherd you together. I will bring you. I will lead you as I always have, by the way. And as God's people, we're used to having an image of 
God is these things. But can you picture God? <laughs> can you picture God leaping in joy? Rejoicing and singing? Have you ever had that picture of God? That's the mindset change of joy today. Of God rejoicing over us as he provided that solution for our care. This joy that God has isn't one-sided. The joy that we've been given, that we participate in, isn't one-sided. It's a shared joy. And it's not meant to be hoarded or kept quiet. How many of you, how many of us, have ever wanted to go and tell somebody the good news when we got that, that good news from the doctor, that everything was okay? How many of us wanted to, uh, how many of us would go and tell people when we win the lottery? <laughs> right? Because that's what it's like before the Lord, winning the lottery, so to speak. I mean, it's a, it's a joy. It's an indescribable joy to know what it means to be saved, to be shown grace and favor, to be pulled out of a gutter somewhere and stood back upright and given life. It's a joy that God has and gives to us. God's joy is just as we are because of what? As I alluded to earlier, because the relationship is restored. And because of this, of this joy, this great joy that God has, God is not casting only as a judge and a king, but as a shepherd and as one who cares for his creation. And he gives an expectation that we're to take that joy and share it. Take that joy and, and shepherd it. Take that joy and be a good steward of it. Because part of stewardship is attitude. Nobody, nobody likes a begrudging giver. Nobody likes it when you roll your eyes or sigh or anything else when you're asked to do something. Yet we all do it. I'll throw four hands up if I could. Right? Because that's just our nature. That's how we do things. We're put out of place. And what, what is that then? That's selfishness. When we turn inward and do those things. That's not what God wants. God wants us to be joyful. And as good Lutherans, we're taught what? We're taught to share that joy because of why? Because of what he's first done for us. The joy that he has first shown us. And then look at the joy of God and what that joy causes God to proclaim. I will save the lame and gather the outcast, he says. And I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. I'm going to give you a name, God says. I'm going to gather you together from the four corners of the earth, God says. And all you who are marginalized and outside of Israel, oh yeah, I care about you too. Not as a side thought, but as an equal. That's stewardship. More importantly, that's joyful stewardship. I want you to think about something for a moment regarding stewardship. Stewardship is sacrifice, isn't it? When you think about it. It's not supposed to be a painful sacrifice. As in, oh, this is too much pain. I can't bear it like I looked at running, right? No, it's supposed to be a joyful sacrifice. It's letting go. It's stepping out in faith and rising to the challenge of meeting the need of others. So stewardship is providing care for the environment and our fellow human beings. It's also about nurturing ourselves, being good stewards of our physical and mental well-being, but more importantly, our spiritual well-being. 
That means participating in the true joy that's only found in where? In God. Nurturing ourselves in His Word and in the sacrament. Fellowshipping with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ before the Lord. That's what it means. We can't experience true joy of stewardship unless we also include being good stewards of ourselves. And I believe that comes down to holding on to the joy of the Lord. The Apostle Paul tells a, a church body in Philippi to do just that. This church is waiting to hear about their shepherd, Paul, who's imprisoned and is sick. They sent Epaphroditus out to check on Paul. They're waiting anxiously to hear about their brother in Christ because Paul's their, their spiritual nourishment. He's the one that points them back to God and tells them to stay connected. And Paul says to them, amidst it all, amidst all of his problems, he says to them, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Paul tells them not to be anxious, but to pray and let their requests be known to God. But you know what? Sometimes we pray to God and we're filled with great anxiety because we're not sure how God's going to answer us. Stewardship can be frightening. Giving up of our time, our talents, our resources can be scary. Mainly because we might start wondering what will happen. Feeling a sense of dread and anxiety rather than wondering what possibly could happen. But look what Jesus said in our gospel lesson today. When John's disciples came to talk to him. He says to him, go and tell John what you've heard and seen. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the good news is preached to the poor. Look at all those possibilities that Jesus just put out there. That Jesus just did. And then what he said, and blessed is he who is not offended by me. That goes for us too, as being stewards. We shouldn't be offended by what the Lord asks us to do with those things, but to step out of faith and joyfully usher them into existence so that others can have the possibilities of knowing that joy that we cling to and rejoicing in the Lord. And all this Jesus said in response to the disciples of John who asked him, who came to him, and what did they say? Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Think about those words. Let them sink in. Because what if somebody approaches you in need? That would be like them coming to you and saying, are you the one who's to come? Or shall we go look for another? Hmm. When you put it that way, don't do it begrudgingly. Don't, don't roll our eyes or sigh when there's somebody in need and, and God's tugging on our heartstrings to go and give. Because what does that attitude tell somebody about Christ at that point? As Christ's agents, we are to carry on His work and that's what stewardship is. And it's joyful stewardship. That's what it's to be. In this Advent season, we're journeying towards the joy of the birth of our Savior, Christ Jesus. We might get some temporary joy or if you're a kid, you might get some temporary disappointment in what's under the tree. But here's my challenge to all of us. Find one way this Advent season, this Christmas season, to joyfully serve somebody else. Whether that be prepping a meal for a shut-in, giving food or serving the home homeless, 
delivering a present to a child or a family in need, or whatever the Lord may lay before you. Because you know what? As God's children, we're those ones who God has preached the good news to. We were blind before, but we have eyesight. We were deaf before, but our ears have been opened. We have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us through this. So look for one way. Don't just look for it. Find it. And then do it. And then share it. Share that joy of what it means to serve somebody else as the Lord has shared that joy with us. Rejoice in reflection for what God has first done for us. Don't, don't do it begrudgingly. Don't do it because you want to praise the Lord out of, uh, and, and expect something in return. And don't do it because I challenge you. <laughs> do it because you want to do it. Because you want to give back to the Lord and rejoice and participate in that shared joy that God has given us. Remember, joy is an attitude. It's derived from gratitude. And thank you, God, that you chose to save us. To God be all the glory. Amen.